Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Our guest today on Better Roads is Kelly Mast. Kelly and his wife and family live in Kearney, Nebraska. Um, you know, Kelly, speaking of family, I want to welcome you. Tell us about your family. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, President Bach. It's a joy to be here with you on this. Um, yeah, I am married to to Hannah. We are youth group sweethearts. Uh, for moving here to Kearney and kind of restarting it was what was Kearney Open Bible Church. It's now Spirit of Life Open Bible Church. We had no youth group, and so we went to the local Assemblies of God youth group, and I actually met my wife on that very first night at youth group, and I was homeschooled, so... We weren't even uh, high school sweethearts. and uh, You went on a so, rating party, didn't you? You went rating I, I, for your wife. Uh, it, it kind of appears that way. But um, <laughs> no, so we've been married uh, over 23 years now. And um, we have six children from ages 21 down to nine years old. Um, three of those are adopted from the Nebraska foster care system. And three are biological. And it's been uh, an amazing and sometimes wild journey. <laughs> you know, I've always been intrigued by Kearney. For people who don't know it, Kearney is on I-80, really toward the center of Nebraska. Now, for me, whenever I'm there, it feels just, you know, removed from everything urban and big. And it, it feels like a piece of preserved Americana. Am I off in my description about Kearney? No, it's it's a, a lovely place. There's a you know, there's a local kind of branch of the University of Nebraska system. And so there's a lot going on, but it's a it's a um, fairly small town, about thirty seven thousand people. And so wherever you go, you run into people, you know, and um, but there's a, um, a lot of things going on and great churches here and great church partnerships as well. So mm-hmm. we're just really blessed by that. Love it. That's, that's great. I know yeah. that you have a heart to serve people. You already mentioned, you know, the ministry there, the church, Spirit of Life Church. You're now their assistant pastor, I believe, at, at the church. Yeah. And then you also serve as director of family services at Compass. You mentioned before about, you know, adoption. I think we're going to talk about foster care today. Tell us a mm-hmm. little bit a little bit about Compass, you know, its mission and what you do with Compass there in Kearney. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was the actually the first employee of Compass, hired by the founders, going on 13 years ago. Um, Compass has been around for for right about 16 years, and uh, from the very beginning, you know, Compass was started um, um, to to bring kind of the you know the the love of the Lord into the child welfare system in Nebraska, and. Um, uh, having godly homes, Christ-centered homes to provide a safe and just and secure place for um, kids in the foster care system. And then that really expanded quite quickly. And it was part of, that was my heart in joining the team to also be ministering to the biological families to either keep those kids out of the, the foster care system, um, keep them from being removed from the home or working to get them back in the home. And uh, so we're working in the living rooms of probably um, 50 biological um, families at any one time. And we are supporting about 85 children in in Compass foster homes at any one time right now. Um, So I oversee the work with the biological families. We we serve directly about 21 counties in Nebraska. 
And I would say we're doing, you know, called to do just great human services and meet family in their moments of crisis, while always looking and praying for the opportunity to bring the truth and the love of Christ um, into those homes. You know, we're working in the Nebraska child welfare system. And so there's a lot of, you know, delicacy that comes with that. Um, but I just love bring, being able to bring kind of the church and the state back together in this yeah. arena and get the church yeah. involved, um, the close partnerships with all the, with the churches in all of the areas that we serve. And uh, it's just been neat to see the Lord move in that area. Wow. And so what, what drew you to this type of ministry, Kelly? Oh, goodness. That's a, that's a long story, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, <laughs> you know, I went to, my wife and I moved out to Eugene, Oregon from, from Kearney. Um, to what was then Eugene Bible College, and uh, now is New Hope Christian College. Um, and I thought that was going to be kind of a pastoral counseling or or counseling direction. That's what my degree is in. Um, but really pretty quickly through, through starting working at um, a facility called Jasper Mountain Center in that area, um, just kind of fell in love with working with kids in crisis. And that was kind of the beginning of that journey. And, and the neat thing is um, Eugene Bible College, New Hope Christian College had a pretty significant impact on that facility. They were working with young um, childhood survivors of significant trauma and abuse. And um, there, at least when I was there, there was a number of EBC students um, out there and praying for kids. And, and, uh, and that was really neat. And I just, you know, through that, <clears throat> um, the Lord kind of brought me to a place where he revealed that um, more than... Or, or different, I guess I should say, than a counseling role or therapy role that um, um, the Lord had gifted me in raising other people up, um, training and leading teams, and um, and then just being directly involved in, in meeting people in their crisis and helping to kind of lift them out of that or walk alongside them, I guess, as they're working through that. And um, so that really took me down a different path than what I initially thought it was going to be. Although that counseling degree and those skills has been just infinitely um, helpful and valuable over the years being in this field. Sure. You know, it's so inspirational to see how the Lord unpacks direction in our lives. And oftentimes we start out with a concept of what we think yeah. he's going to do, where he's going to lead us. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just that he hasn't totally revealed everything to us. And then, Bit by bit, you begin to see more and more of it. And it's just a beautiful thing to see how yeah. when a person is open to it, God will lead and direct. So you today spend your working time, your working hours, basically serving like at-risk kids. Uh, kids are in the system. But I know this about you, that you and Hannah also walk the talk. And you've taken mm -hmm. kids into your own home as well. And I tell us a little bit about that. I think you you told me you had like seven or eight kids living in your house at one time. And that's a lot of kids. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, for sure. I and and when folks are kind of entering into this field, I, you know, I've in, interact with a lot of college students that are in this field. I always warn them, you know, be careful. Um, you may find yourself, God, calling you to be even more closely involved with these kids and that's kind of what happened for us you know we were we were working with um with these kids and i think we uh we kind of became surrogate family for a young young lady that had no family connections she you know was removed from her biological family and then was adopted and that adoption disrupted so she really had no family connections and so we became that for her in fact she was coming with us some weeks to an open um, to the Bridge Open Bible in Springfield, Oregon, 
And um, from there, you know, we really just sensed the Lord calling us to to do more. And so when we were there in Oregon, we um, became trained and licensed as foster parents and got our start out there. And uh, then then felt the Lord calling us kind of back home here to Kearney, Nebraska. Um, and fairly quickly, then we're we're um, trained and licensed to be foster parents here in Nebraska, kind of the same way. You know, we were working, I was working with families here and there was a young man that needed um, uh, actually a little a toddler that needed a placement. And we, we talked and prayed about it and, and took us into our home. And that was kind of the beginning of a, um, uh, the lo- a long journey here in Nebraska. And it's been about 14 or 15 years uh, of doing foster care now. So, yeah. I would guess that when you have this in your heart for kids who've had like this, this one person you mentioned that, 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 you know, really never seen a home life, real home life. And I would guess that when those kids get into your heart, I think it'd be hard not to want to foster or adopt all of them. How do you put some gauge on this thing? That That's really true, particularly, I, I think, early on um, before foster parents have kind of um, you know, run up into some of the bigger challenges um, that you, um, or if you're just a, a person that is inclined to kind of say yes all the time, you know, that <laughs> it it is tough to um, to really uh, make sure that you're pausing to hear the Lord clearly and 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 determining which yes is the right yes. And uh, I think that's a that's a really important thing. And I coach a lot of foster parents and in that some of those very decisions um, all the time because it, their stories are all. Um, they they tug on our hearts and um, and we want to help all the time if, if the Lord's wired you this way. So mm, for sure. I would think now your parents, uh, Greg and Kathy Mast, pastors also. So I don't know if your home life was filled with like eight kids, seven, eight kids and foster <laughs> children, all of that. You know, how, how does this compare to what you knew is your home life when you grew up with your parents? And and what have you drawn from that experience, even though it's different than when you grew up? What, what do you draw from that, those years? Yeah, well, I um, so I definitely didn't grow up in a home with, with seven or eight kids. There was three of us at home. But I think the thing that's really similar is, is definitely growing up in our home. It was a home that was kind of saturated with ministry. There was always ministry things going on. And I, mm-hmm. and I really think, um, at least looking back, the, the, the lens that I have, it was a really pretty healthy way. There was, um, you know, we had a lot of uh, fun as a family and spontaneous times together and great times together, but there was always ministry things going on. And, um, and, and I think that that's one of the similarities that this is a, definitely a different kind of ministry. But my kids have have grown up in that in an atmosphere of ministry, not only because of, you know, church service and our close connection with the church, but because we brought that ministry into our home and in doing foster care that I think that that's one real similarity is a home that's just kind of infused with a heart for ministry. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, my dad was always very busy. We were restarting or planting churches most of my growing up years. And uh, he was often working a couple of jobs outside of that, trying to just keep the family afloat. Um, but he was always, they were always just very careful to um, have great times as family and prioritize family time. And uh, I remember just fun, spontaneous family trips and bike rides and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm just really grateful for that, that heart for ministry, for the church, for the Lord that uh, our, our parents modeled for us. 
Yeah, great springboard for you. You know, Kelly, I think for most people, foster care is is they're they're aware of it. It's just kind of over there somewhere off to the side. And people maybe aren't that aware about the, the, the breadth and the scope and the depth of everything involving foster care. Could could you educate us just a little bit about, you know, what are the some of the stats, the things that it would be good for us to know about children in the foster care system? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to overwhelm um, anybody with with numbers, but one thing just to know sort of the scope of, of that in the U.S., there's just over 400,000 children in foster care and in in just in the U.S., of course. Um, I think right about a third of those, those children are placed with uh, family members or what's called kinship homes. So that could be a a sports coach that's closely connected with a kid or a teacher or someone like that. Um, But so about a third of them would be more informal placements like an aunt or an uncle or a sports coach. And then the the, uh, two thirds would be what you think of more as traditional foster care, where there's a, a, a family that's been trained and licensed um, to provide foster care on an ongoing basis. Um, to put that kind of into perspective, um, you know, just over 400,000 kids in foster care. Um, and there's, I think last number I saw is right about 380,000 um, uh, churches in the United States. So of course, not every family is going to be able to be a foster parent. Um, not every family is called to the same mission, but um, when you, you see kind of the number of kids in foster care compared to the number of churches, I think our churches can do a lot to affect um, the lives of kids. Um, one of the things that I think is really impactful that really blew me away the first time I heard it, I think this is important. You know, we hear about foster kids that move from home to home, and yeah. it really is as problematic as as maybe we have an inkling that it is. Um, there really are kids that that for whatever reason, the, the behaviors that come from their their upbringing, the trauma they've experienced, whatever, mm. bounce from home to home. Whenever a child moves from one foster home or one placement to another, and that causes them to change schools, the studies show that that sets them back an entire year academically. Mm. And many of these kids that we work with, they've moved multiple times, not always um, moving school districts, but oftentimes they are, and, and just how detrimental that is to kids. And so I think that's an opportunity for, for churches to come around and, and be awakened to the need for coming around foster families or an aunt or an uncle that are caring for a niece or a nephew um, or a grandparent that's taking in a grandchild and really come around so, alongside them, come around them and minister to them to prevent that kid from having to go elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I think those things, those are a couple of things I think they're impactful for me. So, so how do most kids end up in foster care in the first place? What's the typical scenario or is there is? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's a great question. I think the most typical scenario is parents that are just um, truly overwhelmed. Um, You know, the, in, I've been in this field now over 20 years and um, I can, it's a small handful of families that I've worked with that were really intentionally harmful to their kids um that really you know those really mm-hmm. insidious stories that make headlines that's yeah. a really small percentage of the families that i've worked with the vast vast majority of families are parents that they survived really significant sometimes just severe trauma on the, in their growing up years they had no um healthy parental model um, they just didn't have the tools that they needed and then we all know how some of that affects our ability to cope 
our ability yes. to um, um, really grow up with a healthy mental health um, and, and have the tools and the support system around us to, to handle the stresses that come along um, inside parenting. I think most parents would agree that parenting is you know, probably the hardest thing they've ever done. And imagine doing that if you didn't have a support system around you, um, you're struggling with mental illness, um, you didn't have healthy parenting tools or money management skills or any of those things. And it all just gets so overwhelming that then un usually unintentional harm or neglect comes to those kids. And, um, and that's, if there's a typical story, that's it. Um, and then we see a lot of that. And so we, you know, it's been a career for me of coming alongside those parents and, and um, oftentimes getting them to the place where they're willing to receive help. And then, and then walking alongside them um, to, to find that kind of help. And like I said, looking and praying for opportunities to bring Christ in that situation as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you, and you're looking for opportunities to interrupt or break that cycle from replicating itself. And cause I can, I can only begin to imagine how much pain and hurt and a lot of baggage that a, a kids carry with them uh, from having to be forced out or have to leave or not having a home to begin with and then put up with someone else and who are these people. Yeah. And so I, I'm guessing that there's probably a process like for you and Hannah, when you first have someone, a child in your home, I, I'm guessing there has to be a while for them to, come to believe that you're real and you're not, you know, you're really there to help them. Um, and, I, and then I'm sure begin to appreciate, I love the fact that you love them. Could you talk us about, talk to us about that kind of process? Yeah. Um, I, I say all the time, you know, people ask me, what do I like about, you know, this field? One of my favorite things has always been meeting new children and meeting new, um, adults, clients, you know, parents, whoever I'm, we may be working with. I've just always loved that process of um, kind of an, establishing that rapport and re relationship that says, hey, I'm here. Um, I care about you. Um, I love you. and I want to help and serve you. And yet I'm also going to kind of tell it to you straight, tell it, tell yeah. it to you how it is. Sure. Um, say the hard things. I think one of the things for Hannah and I over the years, when we'd have a new kid, especially when they're a little older, of course, you know, um, that, um, you know, we don't, we don't greet them with this idea that they should be super excited to be in our home, or they should treat us like their new mommy and daddy or, um, or anything like that. We, we try to just be really down to earth, um, be open to talk about the hard things that, um, kind of everybody in this poor child's case knows, you know, the, the, the circumstances they were just taken out of or whatever. And we just kind of, try to let kids know that, Hey, we're here to talk. We know those things. We've, um, we've heard some of this before and, um, and we don't expect you to be thrilled to be here because it really is true. Um, um, the kids carry so much ambivalence, even when they're pulled out of a tough situation or a, a really, really a bad situation, you know, a part of their heart is of course, still with their family, with their parents, they often feel like they're betraying their parents. If they yeah. even come to that place of feeling settled in, safe, secure, relieved to be oh, in a so foster tough. home. So tough. That comes with feelings of betrayal. And so um, those are some of the things that we try to do, I guess. Yeah. And wanting to protect their hearts from being hurt more, I would yeah. think, be a major factor. For sure. So I know you, I know it's important for you, obviously, to protect the privacy of people, but can you share anything about some of the most challenging experiences that come with being a foster parent? 
Yeah, yeah. As a Boston Bear, you really kind of have to be. Um, well, you certainly have to hold sort of your your ideas of what it's supposed to look like really loosely. But I think that's the case really with any ministry or just just life in general. Um, but you know, a couple um, a couple of situations. I, I know we had a, a couple of times we were serving older some teenagers come through some really really tough things and um uh twice kind of woken up in the middle of the night by um, another child or by that child and 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 um two different scenarios where we had teens attempt um to overdose on medication that uh they had somehow gotten a hold of and and um those are stories within themselves but uh and having to um call an ambulance or take them to the emergency room, mm. spending the, the night mm. in the emergency room, yeah. um, praying next to them and just being with them, walking through all the sorrow that comes, um, that led up to that moment. Um, and uh, um, so those are a couple. And then, um, you know, having to say goodbye to kids that have been in our home for a long time. Everybody, the That's most tough. common thing that people say is I could never be a foster parent because I couldn't say goodbye. We said goodbye to a couple of boys that have been in our home for four and a half years, which oh, is that'd be hard. a very unusual story. Yeah. Um, and that was another one of the, the toughest, but, but um, that, and that's a story in particular that I, you know, really see the Lord move in. So. So flip on the other side of this now, what are some of the most rewarding experiences about being a foster parent? Yeah. Um, well, the first one um, that, of course, came with his own challenges, but as I said before, we've adopted three um, children out of the Nebraska foster care system. Um, two of them are half siblings, and then and then um, our daughter is not direct, you know, biologically um, related to the other two, um, and that's that's been a joy and a journey, of course. Um, another one I I had mentioned um, about the two boys that were in our home for for four and a half years, and by the way, Nebraska. Um, state statutes say that children are supposed to be in foster care for no more than um, 15 months, and then we should be finding permanency for those children, whether that's reunification with their parents or guardianship or adoption. And so this was a highly unusual case. They were there for four and a half years and, um, and then went back home. And uh, it was really challenging, but really the reason the parents were able to kind of turn their life around and and go back home is i really believe through the influence of compass we were working with them and then also that family really decided um to submit uh their re really recommit their lives to christ and submit themselves to the leading of their pastors and they did that wholeheartedly and um to this day and we run into this family fairly regularly to this day, I mean, they are at every one of their church church events. Um, I think that Christ is the center of their home, and um, the boys are doing well. And to look back and see the Lord just revolutionize those parents' lives, and therefore, like their families' lives, and them get their kids back home. It was so painful at the moment, at the time, um, but um, boy, what a joy just to see the work of the Lord um, in their lives. That mm -hmm. that uh, that's one of the joys for me. Deeply gratifying. So if there are people, yeah. you know, listening here today saying, I, that kind of sounds interesting to me, uh, would you describe um, describe the people that you would encourage, the kind of people that you would encourage to become foster parents? I mean, what are their motives they should have? And then I got to ask you, are there some people who should not become foster <laughs> parents? 
Yeah, those are great questions. Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it, it's got to be, it really does have to be um, a clear call from the Lord. Uh, there's, I think this is a specific area that um, for a lot of years has been in some ways in vogue in the church. And that's a dangerous place to be um, where, where I think foster and adoptive parents in some ways can be put up on a pedestal. And, and then that leads others to want to get involved because of an idealistic um, vision of what this is going to look like, um, you know, rescuing these children or um, um, that sort of a thing. And so um, I, we always want to be careful of that. I think people, so it, it really needs to be um, settled in your heart that it's a calling from the Lord. I think it should be people that really um, highly value um, family and family life and, and the ministry in the home, because that's what you're really doing. You're really bringing ministry in your home and your whole family is becoming involved in ministry. And that's a 24 hour, seven day a week kind of a thing. Um, uh, and, and I think also, you know, if, if you're, like you said, um, they may be interested in it or curious about it, um, building or having a strong support system around you with family, friends, and church is really, really key, um, for longevity in, in this kind of a ministry. If I were to say, um, those that maybe shouldn't, uh, shouldn't get involved. Um, you know, one of the, um, and this is not irreconcilable, but I've run into a number of families over the years that really had a heart to grow their family. What they really wanted to do was adopt. And if that is your heart's desire, foster care can really lead to a lot of heartbreak and um, disappointment. And honestly, it can make for poor foster parents. Um, I always tell potential foster parents, you know, you need your yes to the Lord has to be, I'm going to, I'm, I'm here to serve these kids and their parents for as long or as short as they're going to be in my home. So whether that's a weekend emergency placement thing, and then they're going someplace else on Monday, or whether it's into their adulthood, um, I have to sort of hold it really open-handedly like that. Mm -hmm. Um, not with the heart of, I want to adopt a cute little toddler from the, the foster care system, because that's going to lead to a lot of heartbreak and disappointment. Because the goal of foster care in most cases is, is to at least work towards getting those kids home, if that's yeah. possible. So oh, that's very helpful. So though foster parenting sometimes does end up uh, with adoption, as you said, you, you have to go into a fostering. I'm thinking you're saying is viewing yourself like a steward. Uh, you're, you're stewarding these children until you can find that place for them. It may not be in your own home. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I can't stress enough how in, um, in foster care that we really have to view our ministry to be the, their, their family as a whole. The best foster parents are the ones that when appropriate are able to minister to not only the children, but their parents as well. And it, it um, a, a case by case sort of a thing, but um, when it can become almost a co-parenting type of a thing, when we can, in a Christ-like manner, you know, communicate with that family, build bonds with that family, um, uh, th those types of things, you know, that's where we really see families impacted, and and um, and, and and it's only healthier, you know, for the kids that we're serving as well. So Kelly, if if we have people listening today saying, I just really do feel something in my heart. God may be laying this on my heart. 
you know, to become a foster parent. I realize every state is different in requirements and all, but but what sort of advice or counsel would you give to someone who's considering foster parenting? I mean, what's involved and how do they start? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I would give them, to very begin with, I would give them the advice I give anybody else, anybody at a crossroads in their life. And that is to, um, you know, when we feel that, that uh, spark in our hearts, to then start to gathering information that can kind of inform our prayers. You know, because sometimes I think that spark in our heart is, um, again, we've got a little bit of a misdirected vision of what that's going to look like. And so start gathering some information um, about your state or whatever it might be. And then that can be sort of added into our prayers as we're making decisions. Um, After that, I would be searching out um, um, good, solid Christian um, foster care ministries. And they're in um, probably every state in the United States and, and elsewhere. Um, it is such a personal ministry. You know, you're bringing kids into your home and therefore you're bringing professionals into your home to inspect what you do and question mm-hmm. your decisions and um, tell you what's going to happen and all those kinds of things. And so having a Christ-centered organization to support you and walk alongside you is absolutely invaluable. That can pray with you through the really hard times and understand, you know, if um, when you just feel a, a, a spirit-directed decision in your heart, they understand that. Um, better than, of course, just a state agency. So I'd be I'd be looking up those organizations. And if you really have no place, no idea where to start, then connecting with your Department of Health and Human Services, Division of Children and Family Services, whatever that is in your state, they'll have a list of organizations, and you can start there. Well, Kelly, uh, I I deeply appreciate this time today. I've learned about foster care things that I did not know, and I I'm just trusting there are people listening today that this resonates with them and and uh maybe something you've said here today will help them to process and take the next step that they need to take regarding foster care so thank you for being with us for this and i i want to ask this question which is really the reason for this podcast is better roads you know we talked a little bit about your background but uh, not extensively so we call this podcast better roads because there are many roads that we take in life you know, some of them are good. Some of them are not. Uh, we learn from all those. We learn even from the difficult roads. But Kelly, what are a couple of the better roads you've chosen that you'd say, wow, when I look back, those those have been so key in making such a positive difference in my life and indeed to who I am today? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, boy, President Buck, I, I'd, I'd give one that's more spiritual and one that's more practical. Um, the, okay. the first one, and, um, you know, the first one, I, for a lot of my life, there, you know, a lot of new things or, and, and oftentimes ministry oriented would um, be those moments where I'd get anxious and, you know, the enemy would be taking advantage of those opportunities to kind of whisper all the lies about I'm not good enough or there's somebody else would do this better or whatever. And I just made a deal with the Lord a, a number of years ago, probably 15 years ago, um, where I'm going to, when I sense that the Lord leading me in something, somebody asked me to do something, and I know from the Holy Spirit, I'm supposed to do it, but my flesh is looking for every excuse to not do it because somebody else would do it better. In those moments, I just made a deal with the Lord that I'm just going to say yes, despite the anxieties or the worries That's or good. the things being whispered in my heart. Um, I'm just going to say yes. And I have just seen the Lord... Um, come through in time after time after time um, that 
you know, things worked out so much better than I, than I could have ever imagined they would um, because I just said yes to the Lord when I sensed him leading me to something. Um, and so that's a spiritual challenge, I think, for others that uh, I um, has been really impactful for me. Um, the practical one, boy, when I look back um, to my wife and I um, deciding that we were going to move out to Eugene Bible College, out to Oregon, um, and uh, finish out my degree there. That that just um, was was has led to so many um, other powerful things in our lives. You know, it's what really led me into this direction. This, this um, ministering within the child welfare system. It's what um, brought me to be become a uh, licensed minister with the Open Bible, and then be involved in Open Bible churches uh, for all, really all of my life. But um, being a pastor made lifelong friends and ministry friends out there. And then again, uh, you know, that was kind of the beginning of my journey in, in this side of ministry as well. And uh, so saying yes there and and uh, and going out to Eugene Bible College and everything that came after that, you know, that was a, a road that I'm really, really grateful to the Lord for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I rejoice with you over that. Hey, Kelly, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to visit with us today. Yeah, thank you, President Bach. It's just, it's been a joy. It has been. And I hope you, our listeners, have enjoyed this time as well. In fact, I just feel like I'm supposed to say to you, someone here today, to say, is it time for you to also say yes to what God has been saying to you? And we invite you to join us next time on Better Roads. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.